Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. I have a really cool story for you. I was really frustrated with the situation and I wanted so much to continue to follow this passion of mine, but I was feeling frustrated. And my husband, John, was encouraging me to keep going. And I said, John, I'm not going to keep watering a dead plant. And then today, here's what happened. I consider myself to be a moderately poor gardener, but I love like trying to grow plants. And I planted six different kinds of seeds this year and the tomatoes and basil are doing great. So are the peppers, but my little cilantro just didn't sprout. So I just put the little seed trays away in the shed. And meanwhile, I'm cultivating my sweet little tomatoes and I'm speaking words of love to them and everything every day and just staring at them like you would a newborn baby. But I didn't even think about the cilantro until today when my kids were poking around in the shed and I go in and I look at what I thought was dead cilantro and it turns out they're growing and I haven't watered them in a month. They're literally sprouting and just green all over the place. I'm like, how is this possible? I have no idea. But I just thought that was a cool lesson in perseverance. So maybe you sometimes should water your dead plants. <laughs> I have a wonderful guest today. She's incredible. Her name's Mary Lenneberg. You're going to love her as much as I do. And she just exudes truth and goodness and beauty and enthusiasm. And we're here to talk about her book, which I read called Be Brave in the Scared. And it's all about what to do, how to trust God in the most difficult days of your life. And I know that suffering is a part of the human experience, but it's not something that we really want to embrace. We want to run away from it. The most important part of discerning is surrender. So you're going to really get a lot out of this episode, I think. Um, also, as a bonus, I am going to sing um, my very favorite hymn of all time, which is also one of Mary's favorite hymns, I believe. It's Oh God Beyond All Praising. And I included this one on this episode because Mary's daughter, Courtney, passed away, as you'll hear, and they sang this hymn at her funeral, and she reflected on it in the book. So I was like, I gotta sing this for the podcast episode. So we're going to get to it in a second, but first I want to throw a quick recommendation your way. If you're a single young woman between the ages of 18 and 40, or if you know any, I'm asking you to consider joining the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, which we abbreviate as SALT. It's hosted by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, and our missionaries spent a week working alongside the sisters, giving their time and talent to the elderly in nursing homes. I am the coordinator for SALT, and I have spent the last four years building this program from the ground up, and I truly believe in the ability to change lives. We've had young women enter the uh, Carmelite Sisters order as a result of going through SALT, and we've also had a lot of them just grow as people and come back year after year because they love their residents and they fall in love with the sisters. I am asking you to consider joining. You can go to www.carmelitesisters.com slash SALT dash program and we do have a deadline coming up very soon for our chicago program so don't hesitate get your little took us over there right now and now without any further ado let's get to the episode with mary lenneberg mary thank you so much for joining me today on the show 
It is such an honor and a privilege to be with you, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you. Do you happen to have any uh, coffee shop beverages nearby? I actually do. Um, We are now transferring into spring and summer. And so I am um, an iced coffee girl. Yes. um, Summer, the summer months. So I have my, I don't know if you can hear my little, my ice (laughs) and quite delightful. I, um, I will, I'll do an iced coffee in the morning during the hot months and then I'll hit, start hitting the iced tea about noon. So nice going all day. Yep. Amen to that. Oh, I have a big pitcher of iced tea in my, uh, in my fridge downstairs. And then I've been, I've already had, I don't know, at least two cups of coffee today. (laughs) My poor, my little daughter, she didn't mean to, but she spilled my coffee earlier. She's a year and a year and a month old. And that was the moment. Yes. And she was probably trying to bring it to me, which is, you know, so sweet. Right. But toppled over and it was like, no, my happiness is gone. The elixir of life is leaving you. Exactly. Cannot be. No, 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 exactly. Well, that's, that's fantastic because um, so many of my guests actually are not coffee drinkers. And so God brings them to me, not for the caffeinated aspect of the, the title of my show, but for the called aspect of the title of my show. I can do so, both. I promise. Yes. You're a multitasker. Fantastic. That's right. That's right. So what calls have you received from God in your life and what have those calls looked and felt like? Oh, gracious. Um, well, the first call I received was to be a married person, the vocation of marriage. Um, my husband and I have now been married this August. We'll be married 31 years. So mm, congratulations. Big, thank you. That was a big call. And then uh, I am a mother. So the call to motherhood, um, I have, uh, we were um, blessed with four souls. Two, we lost in miscarriage. And then our son, Jonathan, he'll be 30 in November. And then our daughter, Courtney, who I'm sure we'll talk more about, but she passed Mm -hmm. away when she was 22. And um, I think the the call to motherhood has changed me Mm. uh, completely. Um, Mm. It it, it has directed the remainder of my life. And then I think the most recent call um, was to write this book, Be Brave and the Scared. And um, I think that one scared me more than the other two. (laughs) So... Um, I can understand why you had such vulnerability. And, um, I, I looked at the cover of your book when I received it in the mail and I was like, Oh no, I know I need to read this book, but I am, I knew it was going to lead me to places of, of, uh, because I'm a mother myself and my greatest fear is losing, losing one of my children. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to hate this book, but I'm going to love it. And I did. (laughs) It is, it is definitely a love-hate relationship, I can, mm-hmm. I can assure you. I feel um, as long as we have breath in our bodies, we are discerning our calls. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, God continues to call us to different things in um, yes. different seasons of our life. And the cover of my book, you'll notice it's the, the break of dawn. Yes. And um, that's what the, the picture is behind the writing. And um, it's very, very special to me because um, mm. the people at Ave Maria Press who were publishing the book, um, they had no idea what they were doing when they they showed me the cover. And mm. I, I remember I started to cry and they were all worried, like, but we love the cover. It's so pretty. I'm like, no, you don't understand. When I would pace my living room at two o'clock, three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, because the nights were always the most difficult with Courtney, with her mm. seizure disorder, um, my prayer was always, Lord, just get us to the morning. Just give mm-hmm. us another morning. Mm-hmm. And so when they showed me the cover of this book, when it's the break of dawn, I thought, okay, Courtney, that's your little God wink from heaven. Oh, I hear wow. you. It's right here. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're <laughs> making me cry. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, 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 
it's changed my life. This whole process mm-hmm. has just changed everything. And it all comes from those first two calls of discernment to mother, mm-hmm. to, you know, being a wife and a mother. Um, beautiful. Everything about me. Yeah. Can you just, for anyone who's not familiar with the, your book yet, which nobody really should be because it's not even officially released, it uh, releases on May 10th, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. <gasps> this is the week then. It's tomorrow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. This I is know. Tomorrow. Wow. I'm so honored that you made time for me today. Thank um, you. Oh, please. Yeah. It's a privilege. Thank you. Yeah, um, well, you. You can't see me over here, but I've got, um, I've got tears in my eyes uh, oh, listening to what you just said. But can you just give us a little synopsis sure. real quick of the book and what happens in it? Well, um, it's a story. It's my spiritual memoir. That's what uh, I've kind of just settled on. This book is a lot of things, and it's a lot of different things to different people. Mm-hmm. But it's the story of me and my dance with God. And the catalyst in that story is my daughter, Courtney, who at the age of five weeks old began to have grand mal seizures. Mm-hmm. And throughout her life, um, the, her diagnosis was seizure disorder unknown with global developmental delay. So they never knew why there was never no known cause. There was no known cause for her to have seizures. And so she continued to have grandma seizures every day of her life for the 22 years. God blessed us with her. And when she was seven months old, we gave her a medication that we thought would stop the seizures and help her. And instead she had an allergic reaction to it and her brain swelled and her body went septic and we almost lost her. And that stunted. um, I mean, it, 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 she had brain damage, um, significant, irreparable brain damage from that experience. And so she was about the developmental age of a seven to nine month old baby for the remainder of her life. Wow. So we had to deal with a lot of guilt. We had to deal with a lot of, um, you know, yes, she had seizures and God had allowed the seizures for whatever his purposes were, but we were the ones that that gave her the medication. So um, we had to work our way through that. And this book kind of explores all of that. It explores how caring for a severely disabled child, all the things she brought up. She was our earthquake. If you think of an asphalt, you know, a, a brand new street, right? It's beautiful. It's smooth. And there's no imperfection. And then a an earthquake happens and the asphalt cracks and the sewage breaks and the water breaks underneath it and it all bubbles to the surface. And so um, that's what Courtney did. She was our earthquake and everything we didn't want to deal with in ourselves, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our spiritual lives, my husband and myself um, came bubbling to the surface and we had to deal. And Mm -hmm. this is that exploration of how I did that and how in the end, Um, when you accept what God's plan is for your life, even though you don't know what's going to happen, you truly don't, you have to trust him with all you've got and you surrender that trust is all about surrender. You surrender that plan to him. Um, there is so much peace and there's so much joy, even in the midst of complete and total desolation. Yes. So that's what this book is about. Yes. It's, um, I, I don't think I've ever read anything that uh, brought me to tears so many, so many times on different instances. Um, and, you know, just for, even though it's your story, I was like, I just, it, your writing resonates so deeply with me because I think any good book, you can see elements of yourself. And you, you really went to those places, not just of Courtney's suffering, but also of, of your uh, addiction to food and your husband's um, pornography problem, which became both of your problems, and then your son's uh, kind of the fallout from all of the years of, of uh, Courtney's suffering and what he went through. And I mean, you just go into all of it. And I know that everyone who reads this book is going to gain so much. In my own life, I wanted to share this with you. 
mm-hmm. my own life. Um, actually, this is a part that it, it only has about maybe half a, half of one chapter in the book, and it it's a more minor point in the overall overall book. But for me, um, it was one of the most effective parts was hearing about your son, Jonathan, when he went to therapy, and then he had yeah. some things that he had to tell you and your husband. And um, I think reading that gave me permission to write this letter of great vulnerability to someone very dear to me, um, where I had been, and I hear I'm going to cry because this just <laughs> happened, um, because I had been pushing down all of these things for several years, and about four years, actually. And so, it gave me the um, the courage to bring them to the surface and to really tell this person. And I think just reading your account of how all of that went um, was so, it was so good. I, I It just, uh, it just brought it to the surface for me. I knew, um, I knew when I was writing this, um, I had to go to dark places. Um, what I find in most of Christian inspirational books that are out there, there's so many beautiful books and so many beautiful stories. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. has their story and this is me embracing mine. And I knew I could not write it truthfully. Um, without going to really dark spaces. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what separates it from most books that are out there today is I will mm-hmm. tell you all of the garbage. I will tell mm-hmm. you what the sin was. I will tell you what my shame was about. I will talk about my son with his full and complete commis- permission. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote that chapter with me. He was by my side and I didn't want to reveal anything that would cause him further harm right. or distress. And my son Jonathan is so practical and so very, um, he's very blunt. He's like his father. Um, we're all kind of blunt in our own way in my house. That's but good. That's a good he looked thing. at me and said, I, when I said, are you sure, you know, you're okay with this? Because once it's in print, it's out there forever and ever. And people mm-hmm. will one day ask you about it. And he yes. goes, mom, it's what happened. It's, it's what happened to us. He goes, I know you love me. And I know you would give my, your life for me. He said, but those were hard years, you know? Yeah. It's hard when you see your parents love a sibling and you feel like they love them more than they love you. Yeah. It really is devastating. And it's still, I like get emotional about it because it yeah. still wounds me. It's a wound. But God has healed and he has restored that relationship. But I still have the memory of the sadness, you know? Yeah. I have the knowledge of what his face looked like when he stood in that therapist's office and he told me that he hated me and that mm-hmm. he, he was so angry that we couldn't love him like we could love Courtney. And what he didn't know because he was a young guy he did, and he hadn't, you know, he knows now because he's going to be 30. He's a grown man. What he didn't know then was just how devastated we were all along the way because we knew it. Okay. I knew damage that was happening and I didn't know how to stop it. I didn't know how to change it. And what I had to figure out was I had to surrender my son and I had to surrender my daughter, but in completely different ways. Yeah. Because they don't belong to me. Our children do not belong to us. They belong to God the Father. They are His. And so you have to just do your best to love them in that moment. And that love is the only perfect love there is, is the love of God the Father Mm -hmm. and Jesus, you know, the love of our beloved and the Holy Spirit. That's the only perfect love that exists. Our love is just the best that we can give in our humanity. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we will hurt people. Words can hurt or they can heal. And for many years, my words did nothing but tear at flesh 
and I had to go back and I had to beg forgiveness and I had to give even more love, like overwhelming to mm-hmm. kind of help in the healing process in my marriage and in my motherhood with my son mm-hmm. and, um, and in friendships and in other relationships. I mean, when the, what you did by writing that letter, by being vulnerable to that individual is you're surrendering that relationship to God because mm-hmm. you've done your part. You have expressed your heart, good, bad, hard, pleasant, joyful, whatever it was, all of it, you have expressed your heart and now you ask God to heal it. You ask him to come into that because you see, God can't heal what we don't give him. So you give him that relationship. You write that letter and you let that go. And then God does his thing and it'll be what it's meant to be. And that's, you know, one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. I, and mm-hmm. I have to be okay that certain relationships in my life and certain things in my life aren't fixed. Like they aren't fixed. Yeah. Like I think they should be fixed. They aren't like all wrapped up in a nice little neat little bow going, yeah. here we go, Mary, this is all done. <laughs> you know, that's yep. not, how, not how life works and you have to be okay with that. And I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning to be okay with it. Yeah. I still surrender mm-hmm. it again and again. You know, it comes up in my mind and my prayer. I'm like, Lord, this is yours. This situation is yours. Lord, this is yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a lifelong journey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just crying over here. You are just making me cry in the best way possible because uh, actually the letter was not received in the way I hoped it would be. And so mm-hmm. you're totally right about that, that surrender. And, and um, yeah, I, th- I, th- I think what you said about me just doing my part and then letting it go is so good. Yeah. At allowing God to come into that space and, and heal it because you have to have honesty in your relationships and you have to have, uh, you have to allow that healing in to move forward. And so that's kind of my challenge right now is this, this surrender. But, you know, but I, I, I was, uh, I was brave and scared to write that letter. And I'm proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank and you. That's the thing is that, you know, the bravery comes and a lot of us don't act on it. Like we've, we, mm. we, something comes to our mind and our heart and our life. And you're like, oh, I should do this. Mm-hmm. And then we just let it go. Yes. And, and that happens so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an opportunity of grace. So I, the hard thing, the, the brave moment is when it comes to you and you're like, you act on it. Mm-hmm. You go, you know, I, I think yes. of the, um, I'm, I'm Roman Catholic. So I think of our lady and mm-hmm. how in scripture, it always says, Mary pondered these things in her heart, mm-hmm. pondered them. Like she prayed over them. She discerned them. She was talking to God the whole time. Like, okay, you want this, this, all right, here we go. And she had no sin to block her way. So the conversation was just ongoing. It was just mm-hmm. an ongoing love story. And then once she had pondered, she acted like she mm-hmm. went, you know, yeah. Yes. She went out of this deep, this <laughs> deep, you did life. the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. I apologize. <laughs> no, I was, I was just agreeing with you. It came out of this deep, um, this deep love and this deep, sort of ongoing conversation and this um, meditation, like that's our foundation. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. the conversation. Um, you know, I, a lot of people ask me, Mary, how do you hear the voice of God? I'm like, well, it's not like Charlton Heston and the 10 commandments, you know, that I just hear <laughs> Mary go do. No, it never happens that way. I don't feel a prompting in my heart to, um, to make a phone call, to write a letter, to do something kind for my husband or my son or, or someone else to um, send a letter of encouragement, to send a text, you know, mm. this, that's what, that's how I hear them. I hear them through other people. 
people. Mm-hmm. Somebody will say something in a conversation and I'll be like, whoa, how did you know I prayed about that this morning? Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was a little stunning. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that happens to me all the time. I'll be reading something or a lot of the times for me, I love music so much. It happens through the lyric of a song and it could be a secular song or, or a Christian song. It doesn't matter. Um, and it just, I'll hear it and I'll, ha- I'll, I'll look up the lyric and I'm like, oh, okay, that's an answer. Look at that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just being open. It's that, like you said, that, that, um, that meditation, that mm-hmm. conversation yes. um, happens all yeah. throughout our day. And that is a major theme actually in this podcast is pretty much every one of my guests is like, no, it's not the Charleston Heston experience no. <laughs> with the 10 commandments. I wish it that- were. Give me a sign <laughs> at the side of the road with flashing lights. Yeah. Go this way. I would right. Say. Exactly. Like you just hear a voice in your head in prayer or an earthquake or a burning bush. In fact, I just interviewed Taylor Schroll not long ago. Um, his oh, podcast wow. episode will be out by the time yeah. yours is. And we just talked, we were like doing the God voice that we expect to hear on yeah. the podcast. And it's like, no, no, that's not how it goes. Yeah. But I love, you know, something that you just kind of connected the dots for me in a new way is, is this foundation of meditation. And then that allows you to be open to hear all these different ways in which God is reaching you, including maybe things that you don't want to hear. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. My life is 75% what I don't want to hear. Are you kidding yeah. me? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and okay, I'm dyslexic. Okay. So I've always <laughs> had trouble with reading and reading comprehension. Mm. not a good student. I, I laugh. I work in youth ministry at our parish. And so I laugh at the kids when they're like, I got a B. And I'm thinking, oh, I would have rejoiced for a B. I would have paid someone for a B when I was in high school. But that's not my, that was not my story. Mm. And so I was approached to write this book. I, I literally said to my editor, who we, the woman that became my editor, I said, I am not smart enough to do this. Mm. You don't, you mm-hmm. don't get it. I've been stupid my whole life. I know how to love people. I know how to make a wicked lemon meringue pie. <laughs> I know how to take care of a home and, and I can grocery shop for an entire week's worth of meals in less than 20 minutes. I mean, I've got skills. <laughs> you want me to write a book and like pour out my heart about my, you know, my addiction to food, my husband's addiction to porn, our son hates us, our daughter dies. I mean, come on. That is not like, hey, this is such a great, happy, clappy book. Let's all sing Kumbaya together. No, this is not. I, I just, I remember that phone call and I'm like, I think you're insane. I literally huh. said that to them and she just laughed and she goes, no, I'm an editor and we're going to do this. I'm wow. Like, okay. So you were approached to write the book, which is not most people's case. No. Oh, sorry, what am I trying to say? It's not the case for most people. I'm writing a book and I'm like, I hope they like it, you know, but the fact that God actually reached out to you through this person to write this book, that's- It was an answer to prayer. I, I had said, if you want me to write it, that you, it, it, I'm not submitting. I'm not, nope, mm-hmm. I'm not doing any of that. I, I didn't have the mental- capacity to do it and not that I'm I'm not stupid I do know that please everyone you don't absolutely not stupid. <laughs> I'm not. And, and that was a wound that existed in my life mm-hmm. that this book has been part of the healing for wow. so but the point is I I prayed and I said Lord I had been people had been asking me to speak and I had just been starting to speak around the country and um, about our story and about my journey. And I speak on all kinds of different things like God's redeeming love, um, being brave in the scared, overcoming shame with mm-hmm. compassion, gratitude and, and um, how that shapes our life, all kinds of things, parish missions, 
women's retreats, youth retreats, all of that. And that was just starting. And so I was kind of beginning to put it all together in my head. And somebody said, Mary, you really need to write a book. People need to see this from from beginning to end. They need to see the whole arc of this particular season of your life. Mm -hmm. And it would be powerful. And so my prayer was, Lord, if you want it, then you make it happen because I'm not, I'm, I'm, nope. I didn't know how to write a book proposal. I didn't know. I mean, I had to look up. They said, you know, what is the theme of your book? I had to look up what theme meant. I mean, come on. I did not pay attention in school. <laughs> I didn't. And then God laughed and I homeschooled my son. Thank goodness for homeschool curriculums. So um, uh, algebra just about killed me. A long division almost took me out. So I, you know, it just wasn't my thing. And God literally showed up at the door mm. in the form of the beautiful Jamie Wolf and said, okay, let's do this together. Yeah. And she walked me through that. It, it took three months for us to talk about it and write it out and mm. figure out what the theme was going to be and how it was going to be structured and all of that before it was even presented to Abe. And then when they said yes, I had three months to write the book. Whoa. So I wrote this book in three months. That's real. That's insane. And that is really fast. Yes. And that is all God. Mm. That is all God. Do you know what this reminds me of? Um, so I, I speak on discernment and a big part of my, uh, my talking about it is reflecting on the book of Exodus where God gives Moses all these insane calls and he calls him to all these things. And Moses is not, he's not the most confident and he's also not the most talented. And you, by the way, are a very talented writer and incredibly oh, smart. And anyone who reads your book is going to know that. But Moses didn't feel like he was the real deal. And you know what? Um, I, I love in Exodus how he says, you know, I'm slow of speech and tongue. And so God's like, okay, here's your brother, Aaron. You know, and Aaron goes and does all the talking in front of Pharaoh. So I love how... Moses was willing to do it. He was willing to do whatever God said, but he also was honest about, I don't have this quality. Like you, if you're calling me to do this, you need to help me. And God supplied all of the things that were lacking. Which God is gave me Jerry. He gave me my husband mm -hmm. and my husband, God bless that man. Everything that we have been through, everything we have faced individually and as a couple, and that God has redeemed and restored and renewed in our marriage, that man... <laughs> <laughs> sat with me as I was losing my lunch. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I cannot do this. And he's like, Mary, just talk to me. Just tell me the story. Mm -hmm. And that's literally how this book was written. Mm -hmm. I would sit and I would tell a story in my living room um, into my phone, mm -hmm. you know, and just just talk. And he would ask me questions and I would answer the questions. And then we'd transcribe all of that. And then I'd take all of it and I'd put it into, you know, um, a chapter kind of um, format. And then we'd start editing. And, and he just, he's been an absolute gift to me. God knew as he always does. He is omnipotent and omniscient. God sees it all, knows it all. Uh, knew who was made for me, and that was Jerry Don Lunenberg, mm -hmm. and um, I for him. And as much as sometimes we drive each other nuts, I cannot imagine my life or this process or my motherhood or any success that may come because of this book and or or any blessing. Um, and they're, they're so far they're just pouring, pouring like rain, and it's overwhelming. And mm -hmm. and I I can't do it without him. Yeah, he is, he is. I, you know, as they say, you know, you take woman was made out of the rib, you know, man was made out of the dirt. 
And one was made out of the rib. And so he looks at me sometimes and he'll say, you truly are the crown of creation. Wow. And for a man to look at you after 31 years and, um, and say something like that and mean it with everything he's got, I just know um, what a gift that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he that's, is That's amazing. Awesome. And so he's been with me through this whole process. I couldn't have done it without him. Mm-hmm. And you had a rocky journey, but to be able to say that after all of all that you've been through, which I feel like I know your life so well. Like you don't know anything about me much, really. You do. Like, my, if you've read the book, you know everything. <laughs> I know everything. I know. I'm like, oh, you've been through such a journey with him. But to be able to say that after 31 years is um, beautiful. And I can just hear the sincerity in your voice. I just, I love it. Um, my well, husband and I have been married almost three years, and I'm just looking. I'm like hoping and praying for that. Dude, but the beauty of that, here's the beauty of marriage. When, if God so blesses you with that vocation, forget the future. This is what I tell all we uh, mentor young couples, forget Mm -hmm. it. Stop it. Be where you are. God will provide the grace in the moment where you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, it's smart to plan for your future and to do all of those responsible adulting things. But as far as worrying about your marriage, stop. You pray for your spouse every single day. You pray for yourself and you pray for the grace to love each other as best you can in that day. Mm-hmm. And you've read the book. You know that I've, we've been through quite a journey together. We have hurt each other and wounded each other very deeply. And that still happens in, in our daily, oh, sorry, that still happens in our daily life. Um, you know, we're human. We, we hurt one another. Words hurt or give life. And um, it's, we got to 31 years because we gave our marriage a long time ago to God. And I know what a marriage looks like when you remove God from the bedroom and when you remove him from the most intimate parts of your life. And it's basically a straight walk to hell and it's not pleasant. And to walk backward from that, to walk toward God and what his intent was for our marriage was the hardest work we have ever, ever done. And that includes our own personal journeys because it requires forgiveness and it requires a supernatural forgiveness that I am not capable of. Mm, only God give me mm-hmm. and only God provides. And so the older we get, the more dependent we become on our Lord to get us through what needs to be walked through. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, motherhood never stops. I know my son's almost 30, but I'm still his mama. And I'm still praying for him and I'm still praying over him and I'm still uh, quietly, you know, I don't really direct him. He and my husband, you know, have borne this beautiful friendship. And so when he has a question about work or things like that, he goes to his father and that's totally fine. Um, But when it involves a young woman or, you know, dating, then I usually get the question and I'll just, you know, I pray my way through that because it's, the situation you all deal with, um, you know, now in the world is not how I dated. Um, I didn't yeah. have an, you know, so mm-hmm. it's uh, completely different and um, it it's is. a little scary. It's hard. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. And I'm it just is. watching, you know, so yeah. all of those things, those calls that first came to me when I was 20 years old and 22 years old still exist in my life. And so mm-hmm. they adjust and they move with seasons. Right. And Not a dance to, with be, it. to be present in the moment to your yeah. spouse. Yeah. Which is beautiful. And I think going along with that, you know, how do we learn to push aside our habits of kind of expecting 
uh, or wanting these, uh, these sort of big trusting leaps? How do we kind of start in this moment to trust God in small ways that's going to lead to the big ways? Well, you have to let go of expectations. And I know that that is so countercultural to say, you know, I'm constantly hearing, it's your life. It's your story to write. You do it. No, it's not. It's God's life. Mm. God's life in me. And it's his story to write upon my heart. Um, and so um, I work very hard. I, I, there are things, there are goals I have in my life, but I trust all of it to him. Mm-hmm. And so how is it that we... Um, answer the in the little things how do we become faithful in the little things how do we learn to trust well it's it's a simple and quiet yes and when i say a quiet yes i mean you have a choice to make you can either make you know i'm just saying um man or woman you can either make dinner for your spouse without complaint or you can slam pots and pans Mm. okay there's a choice to be made in that moment how are you going to love in that moment? How are you going to um, say no to your own selfishness and say yes to another? Because you see, I think in the end, it all comes down to one question. How well did you love in God's name? Mm. My whole life, your whole life, our whole lives come down to how well we have loved. And in order to love another, it means to put the good of another above your own. And that's where the surrender comes in. It comes in those little teeny tiny quiet yeses. Am I going to put the laundry away or am I going to leave it for him? Am I going to um, make his favorite dish, even though it might not be my favorite dish? Mm -hmm. Am I going to um, take care of the baby so that he can have a half an hour to, you know, work out or do whatever, even though I've been taking care of the baby all day and I'd like to go work out. Mm -hmm. If I love him that well in that moment, what I have found in my life is it comes back triple to me. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be, I remember there was a season where he would come home and I'd give him 30 minutes. Like he'd kiss me, say hello to the children and he'd disappear for 30 minutes. And I used to resent the baloney out of that so much. And I'd be like, get down here. I've been with these children since 6 a.m. this morning. I love you. I love them. But someone's going to die by dinner. And I don't know. (laughs) I know the feeling. (laughs) I'm just like, somebody is going to be taken out. That's where I'm at. I would be so resentful of that. And what I found was after this practice, I remember when I first started it, it was about 35, 40 days um, I think I did it during Lent one year. That's, Lent has always been a changing season for me. And so I did it for 40 days where I said nothing. And I didn't slam a pot or a pan. I didn't take it out on him. I just, he did that. And what ended up happening was when he came back downstairs, he was fully present to me and to the children. And he began the habit of taking over everything Mm. after dinner like I would cook dinner put on the table feed the children feed each other and I literally he would look at me and go go read a book go do what you need to do you want to go work Mm. out you want to meet a friend for coffee this is your time and like every night that he was home and not on travel I could go from seven o'clock at night I was done like I came and said good night to the children but Mm. my time was done and I mean that was transformative Mm. and that came from me offering that up. It came from me saying no to my selfishness, saying no to my tiredness and loving him 
with the grace of God in that supernatural way. And that's just one little example of how when we say no to ourselves and yes to God, that supernatural grace comes and you're just able to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it happens in the little things. It happens in the quiet yes. Yeah. Sometimes the result is harder than that. Sometimes it actually requires suffering. Mm -hmm. And to say yes to suffering is to live a Christian life. We are, it's scriptural. I think it's Acts 4 verse 22, where it says there'll be trials and tribulations before you enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. great, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Looking forward to that. But um, it's true. You think of, you know, Jesus in his own life. Mm. You think of, we we just came through Lent and Easter. I mean, the man offered himself for me. Mm-hmm. He loved me so much that he underwent physical, emotional, spiritual suffering, 40 days in the desert being tempted by the devil, lashings on his body, a crown of thorns, being humiliated, spat upon, you know, mm-hmm. physical pain that I, I please, Lord, I hope I never encounter, but um, unless it's his will, and then please, Lord, give me the grace to survive it. Um you know, he loved me that much. And like the older I get, the more I appreciate and I, I'm overwhelmed by his love in that. And mm-hmm. that is what sustains me in times of great suffering. That mm-hmm. I think of what he did for me and I'm like, okay, you hung on that cross for three hours. I can do this. I can bear this. Mm-hmm. You know, and I tend to take it three hours at a time, literally, like, mm. I can bear this. And by the end of, you know, whatever that time is, I find that there's great peace. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. It's hard. It's so hard. I don't want anyone to hear me and say, oh, well, she can, you know, she must have this super. No, I don't. I hate physical pain. Emotional pain will make me not sleep for days on end. Any kind mm-hmm. of turmoil, I, I'm not a fan. Um I just, I'm just like everybody else. I'm just human like everybody mm-hmm. else. I'm a sinner. I'm lining up in the line, not looking down at you, but straight across at you as my brother and sister in Christ. Mm. I just, I've been given some things to walk through. Yeah. And I know that if you can get through the fire on the other side, there's this beautiful waterfall and the spray from the waterfall and the grace that comes mm-hmm. is ever so soothing. And yes. um, he'll give you a time of rest. Yeah. Yeah. I think this, uh, what's coming through so strongly to me is even as you're talking about all the suffering, I can tell you have the joy of the perspective of knowing that having surrendered it, you can come through on the other side. You're stronger than you think you are and that God loves you through it, even if it doesn't feel like it or see it, or if you, if you don't see it. And I, that's just coming through to me so clearly. And, and I want to thank you for that because in my own time right now of trying to, uh, you know, be brave in my own personal scared, um, that, you know, that, that's a beautiful thing to, to witness and to hear. Um, and I, I guess there, there is a discernment involved, you know, in, uh, I had a Dominican priest on the, on the, the podcast and he was talking about his, his vocation and how for a while he kind of was under this illusion that God wants you to be unhappy. And, and I asked him at the end of the podcast, you know, what do you, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I asked him, you know, what, what, what do you want young people to know? And he was, he said, God wants you to be happy. 
And I, that really stuck with me because at certain moments, that belief that God does want me to be happy has gotten me through it. But at the same time, there is suffering that you are called to embrace. So do you have any words of wisdom on when you embrace the suffering and walk through it? And when you say, you know what, this, um, I don't think this is God's will for me. For example, if you're in a relationship where somebody is, you know, even as I'm saying it, I'm realizing like logically this, you know, the answer is clear, but like if you're in a relationship and this person hurts you, you know, like a, a dating relationship and you're discerning marriage, let's say this person hurts you and, but yet you kind of are like, I'm just going to embrace the suffering. You know, what, what kind of guidance do you have for people on embracing versus, um, versus leaving when it's prudent? First of all, um, abuse is not suffering. Um, abuse is abuse. If this person is hurting you, if they are not respecting the dignity of your personhood, um, if they are pushing their own agenda, which is counter to what you believe and know to be true, um, then what is keeping you in that relationship is probably a sense of unworthiness of love. Mm. And so this is where this is where our personal relationship with the Lord comes in, because God never wants us to be unhappy. Um, but it doesn't mean that when I'm doing something um, and I'm nervous and I'm scared that it's still not what I'm supposed to be doing. That's what being brave and scared is about. Um, you know, you see all the, everywhere that that phrase "do it scared." Okay. Well, yeah, half of my life is doing it scared. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what's going to happen. That's where trust comes in. So it comes down to that personal relationship with Christ. It means that I have to be in conversation with the Lord every single day. Mm -hmm. I have to come before him five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever. I mean, throughout my day in small little snippets of conversation, through reading of scripture, whatever it is, I am in conversation with him because you cannot trust someone you don't know. You mm -hmm. cannot love someone you don't know. Mm -hmm. and discernment is all about trust, love, and obedience. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to obey someone that I don't trust and I don't love. Right. right. So, um, you know, that idea of joy, joy and gratitude change our perspective. It is, it has been a game changer for me to look at my life in the midst of the worst days of my life and try and find nuggets of joy. Hmm. And I mean, down to the, this cup of coffee is hot and it's just the perfect amount of cream and just the perfect amount of sugar. And I'm going to sit here for three minutes and I am just going to appreciate the process of coffee, the taste of coffee, the fact that it's hot and in my hands. Yes. I mean, I get down to that level, you know, mm -hmm. I get down to the fact that I found a pair of wide sandals that are cute and don't make me look like I have elephant feet. That is awesome to me. Okay. Yeah. And I might do that in between. I used to do that in between doctor's appointments and therapy appointments with my daughter. Mm. We would go to the doctor and we'd get devastating news and I'd end up, you know, in DSW. I wouldn't buy the sandals because that wasn't a prudent choice, but the fact that they existed and they were cute, it was like, score, this is great. I know it yeah. exists. One day I may own them. Great. One day I might not. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, spending time with a friend, you know, hey, can we meet for coffee? Can we meet um, for an ice cream cone? Can you sit on my front porch for 15 minutes while your kid is at the soccer field? 
Hi there. I hope you're enjoying my chat with Mary. If you are a young woman ages 18 through 40 and you are seeking to possibly discern religious life, or if you just want to know more about God's plan for you, whatever that is, I recommend checking out Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, which we abbreviate as SALT. It's sponsored by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, who I was very pleased to meet as part of my television show, The Sisterhood Becoming Nuns, and I've been working for them since 2015, building up this mission program from the ground up. So we have a wonderful time at SALT every summer, and we actually have a couple spots left in our Chicago program, which is happening in July. So if you are considering this, I really encourage you to apply now at www.carmelitesisters.com slash salt dash program. So SALT is a week spent with the elderly, giving your time and your talent. And we design activities like giving manicures or having a happy hour that are just fun and meaningful for the people who are so often forgotten in our society. It's really another way to be pro-life by serving at SALT. Our missionaries report, though, that often their favorite thing is just spending one-on-one time with the residents and hearing their incredible stories and uh, hearing all about their lives and bonding with them. And I guarantee you will not come to SALT and leave with your life the same. Your life will be changed. So I firmly believe in this program. I highly recommend coming this summer. So go ahead and hop over to the website and check it out. And now back to my chat with Mary. Gratitude. Gratitude in the abundant blessings of our lives changes our attitude. My friend Lauren Sharma says all the time, it's praising God in the middle. Mm-hmm. I have had to learn to praise him. There are certain, my Bible is not marked up by books. My Bible, I learned this from Elizabeth Hasselbeck, who is a media person, and, and she marked her Bible with um, things that said brave, strength, mm-hmm peace. And she has these little tabs, you know, um, that you get the little, um, sticky tabs, right? And mm-hmm. she just wrote it with a marker and her whole Bible is marked that way. Mm. When she's looking for peace, she will go in where it says peace. And there's like three places and she will read those scriptures and she will hear the word of the Lord speak directly into her heart. And so I started doing that. And so my Bible is marked with all of these things. And now I'm learning to recognize the times, the triggers that are there. And I think, okay, I need, I, I am just going to repeat this. Or I have a playlist. I have a playlist for fear. I have a playlist for grace. I have a playlist for uh, faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And I will just put that on. And every single song in there is based in scripture anyways. And they're just singing it. And I allow God's word to reign over me and reign over my heart. And that is something that I came to um, gosh, when Courtney was about 10 or 11. So certainly not at the beginning of the journey, um, more, ha- more than halfway through her journey. Mm. And um, I learned if I could stand in the truth of who God is and who I am in Him, then I can do it. I can bury my father after 10 years of battling cancer. Mm. I can um, sit in a therapy office and take um, my son's hurt on and and try and pour my love back into him as best I could. Um, I can deal with difficult situations with extended family members. I can write a letter of apology to someone who um, I wounded with my words or my actions. I can um, and not that relationship will, is never going to be the same. It's it's different, but it's God's, and He's going to do whatever He does with it. Mm-hmm. I can serve my teenagers on a weekend when I've been traveling and speaking, and I've got nothing left in my tank mm-hmm. because I'm I'm allowing God's word to stand in the gap for me. I'm allowing Him to stand in the gap, mm-hmm. and 
that's how you surrender. You know, surrender is, I mean, yeah, maybe it might be like, I've had a couple of moments. So I write about one in the book um, where I surrendered my daughter to God, you know, the first day all of this started to happen. And um, that was kind of a big sort of moment of surrender. Yeah. But what you find is that I took it back, you know? <laughs> so like I surrendered and then I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not comfortable letting that go. And I picked it back mm-hmm. up and then I had to surrender it again and again and again. Mm. So it's, it's an active, our lives are active. Our faith lives are active. Mm-hmm. They should be active. Nothing should be dormant. Now there are times of peace and great joy. And for me, what I've learned and I've recognized now that I'm a middle-aged woman is that when that joy comes, man, I wallow. I wallow in that joy. Mm-hmm. I am like, this is the time of peace and rest and thank you. And I'm praising him. Mm. And I know, I know we're going to turn a corner and I know there's another mountain that I'm going to be met with. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, those are seasons. This too shall pass. They're all seasons. I think Mm -hmm. of Job. I think of Moses. I think of Our Lady. I think of um, Esther. I think of all of these beautiful, I think of the saints and all of that they went through. One of my favorite saints is John Paul II. And I watched that man. I watched him surrender his robust physical self, mm-hmm. you know, who used to ski and do all of these great things. And I watched him quietly surrender it all to God, mm-hmm. suffered with Parkinson's. And I will never, ever forget the gift of that man. I will never forget watching him a few days before he died, um, you know, weeks before he died, his last public event where he couldn't speak the words. Mm. You know, he just had drool coming down because he was trying so hard to bless the people. Mm. And I just remember the love given to him. And I just remember, it gets me emotional because I'm just, mm-hmm. that man surrendered everything. And God worked so many miracles through him and continues to. And, mm-hmm. and you look at, it wasn't easy what he did. Yeah. Nothing about his life was easy. He lost his parents at a young age. He was alone. So he had the Lord and he relied on our blessed mother. She saved his life. You know, he relied on, on his brother priests and, and he relied on the family that God brought to him yeah. and supported him and loved him. And that includes you and me. And mm-hmm. I just, I look at, him and I ask for his intercession and I imagine my daughter meeting him in heaven Mm. what a beautiful meeting that is yeah of like-minded sufferers people who offered their life for the Lord and um it's just the oh gosh (laughs) I'm I'm emotional again too (laughs) you know the depths and the richness of our faith and and Mm. to be Catholic um you know no one is perfect I am not in a church for a priest I am in a church because Jesus Christ exists there yes. and he is present to me in body, blood, soul, and divinity. Um, yes. And I know that there are many wounds that exist in our, our church and there always will be because we're human. Mm-hmm. And I know that God is doing a great work of restore, restoring and redeeming and, and removing and doing all of that. And, um, and it's, it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's hard to, to remain faithful. Um, during these times of desolation. But mm-hmm. what is it that Jeremiah said to the stiff-necked people as they walked in a circle for 40 years? Yep. You know, he said, um, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is Courtney's verse, it's on her tombstone. You know, I have come <clears throat> not to harm you, 
but to give you a future with hope, Mm. you know, to give you hope. And um, our special needs community, these beautiful, bright children, our elderly community who have lived a a full life and now rely on us um, to respect their dignity and allow them to go home to the Lord in the most natural way possible. These are the most vulnerable, the poor, the homeless among us. And they will always be there. God always said, you know, he said, the poor will always be with us. Yeah. So we are responsible for loving them. And it starts, as Mother Teresa says, you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm-hmm. It yeah. starts there. And this book and my life have not been perfect by a long shot. But I pray that it is enough that I loved as best I could. Mm-hmm. And I rely on the mercy and grace of God to take it from there. Yeah. Dang, that was all so good. <laughs> I don't know where to start. I guess I was, th- I'm thinking of this line uh, when you were talking about surrender. There's a line in your book that I wrote down because it's so good. Surrender leads to seeing everything as a gift, especially the things and people dearest to us. And I love that when you embrace the suffering and you walk through it, You see everything as a gift. And so in the good times, you are truly happy because in our culture, we have so much. But like I remember a time, for example, I always use myself as an example because sometimes I say we and then I'm like, wait a minute. No, I'm really talking about me. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The universal. And then I'm like, no, let's be honest, Stacey. Um, I remember a time when I was single and uh, I didn't have to earn that much money to live in a beautiful place. And so I I kind of worked 15, 20 hours a week, maybe. I know it sounds crazy. I'm a very unusual millennial. And this was for about a year and a half of my life when uh, when I was discerning religious life. And I had so much time. I had so much abundance. But I didn't really have a lot of suffering and I became much less grateful. And now with, uh, with parenthood and the suffering that comes along with that, when I do really embrace it and then the kids go to bed and the house is quiet, I can treasure those, that one hour of quiet time before they, before I go to bed so much better than when I had eight hours of, of time to myself to do whatever I wanted to do. And in, um, you know, if you extrapolate that and you look at that in a big way, you know, years of suffering or months of suffering, um, and you're doing God's will by serving, um, it makes those times of, of joy that much better. It does. And I think of Mother mm-hmm. Teresa, who for 60 years, she had this beautiful experience for three years mm-hmm. to, to really encounter our risen Lord, to really, truly feel him physically present with her, speaking into her heart, pouring everything he could into her. Mm -hmm. And then silence for 60 years. Mm -hmm. And look what she did. Yeah. She remained faithful and she just continued to love Mm -hmm. because she knew who he was and she knew that if he wasn't talking to her or she could not feel any consolation, that there was a purpose that she didn't need to understand. Mm -hmm. She just needed to keep loving. Yeah. And so I know sometimes people don't feel that constellation. They don't find that joy. But I want to remind everyone that joy is a choice. To love is a physical act of the will. To find joy is a, it's a choice to choose it. Mm-hmm. I love the Psalms because in the yes. Psalms, it meets anything that you would ever go through in your life. <laughs> yes. I betrayed the Lord by sleeping with Bathsheba and killing your husband. Yeah, I didn't really <laughs> experience that. But I mean, and then he goes on and he, 
he does this beautiful prayer called a lament. I learned that prayer and how to pray that way probably, I think it's been maybe a year and a half now. Um, it's changed my prayer life completely. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful, beautiful process. To lament, it's a three-pronged prayer. The first is you introduce yourself to God. Like, hey, it's Mary. And remember when you did this awesome thing for me? And remember when you were faithful in this to me? And remember when you provided this for me? And you've done all these great things for me. Okay, that's like that introduction. And then you give him your need. Well, I really kind of need you to do this. And I I think this is what, um, this is the desire of my heart. And I'm going to give you this. Mm. And then the last part is, but if it be your will, Mm. that no action is taken, that I'm not given that gift, I will still love you and I will still praise you all the days of my life. Mm. Wow. It is a lament, okay? It is sort of like... um, I feel like it's David's negotiation, but he, he understands that there is no negotiation. You know, right. the last part is, is the linchpin. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it be your will, your will be done. There's that your surrender again. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. and that's what, and that's, it's a beautiful way to pray. And yeah. that's how I pray now. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, every time I speak before my foot hits that stage, I am, my hands are open, my head is bowed and I'm like, Father God, whatever words come out, may they praise you, may they bless you, may they bring glory to you and build your kingdom. Mm-hmm. And if I am meant to stumble and if, you know, I, this is meant to be a moment of humility or humiliation as I like to call it, then yeah. may I find humor in it, may I find your will in it and may you help me get up. Yep. as gracefully as possible, yes. which for a middle-aged fluffy woman is not so graceful. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done it. You know, I've given a talk in front of priests and nuns and dropped a curse word. That was really a special, special moment. <laughs> and they all just laughed hysterically. And I'm like, this is not laughing. I'm not laughing. This is bad. You know, I'm, I'm supposed to be like a holy person. And I'm like, boom, there it is. And I'm just going, and I stood there with my mouth open, like for two seconds, like, I just said that. That's funny. You know, I mean, I stuff like that happens to me all the time. It's just life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You forgive yourself and you move on. And I'm a speaker as well. And I remember, I know exactly what you mean about the anxiety. It's one of my worst fears that I'm going to forget what comes next. Um, And, you know, and I never found freedom from that anxiety until, um, until I, I, was, I had a big uh, speaking engagement at a national conference and I was so scared. And I just get, I was like, Jesus, this is for you. This right. is not to glorify me. This is to glorify you. And then it was just this moment of like peace and acceptance of whatever was going to happen. And all my anxiety was gone. And I remember coming off the stage and saying to my husband, like, I just had the best time. Whereas before, yeah. even though I felt called to it, it was this anxiety ridden thing. Mm-hmm. And that's with, with anything that you're doing, you know, anything yes. how you're serving your family. If you're single and you're discerning either the religious life or the married life, God is asking you to be happy and content in that moment. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, the most, the sexiest thing about women, especially is contentment. Mm-hmm. You know, when you are, it's one of the most attractive elements um, that exist that idea of contentment and joy in your station of life. Mm. I know so many young men and young women who want to be married so badly that they're all in a tither about it. And I keep yeah. saying to them, stop. Been there. Must be happy. <laughs> 
in this place. You must find joy where God has you. Mm -hmm. You are in the middle. You are in the waiting. There is something that you are still preparing for that you're still learning Mm -hmm. in order to be fully and completely ready when that young man or that young woman comes into your life and you're like, that's the one God made for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, contentment and joy, they're very attractive and uh, people are drawn to them. And so if we had more of that, Um, I think you would see a lot less anxiety in the world. Yeah. And that goes along with accepting God's will and just saying like, okay, I'm not getting what I want in the way that I want it right now, but that doesn't mean (laughs) it's not coming. It's accepting however God wants to give it to you at what time. Mm -hmm. I just, you said that. I'm sorry. I laughed. I'm just like, no, it's true. My entire life. Okay. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like God, please give me this way. You know, and, and Mm -hmm. what it is, uh, um, one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 3.20, and I, I never can quote it directly, but it's basically the generosity of God can never be outdone. Yes. Mm-hmm. The generosity of God can never be outdone. So if we surrender and we accept and we trust and we continually work on that relationship with him, we continually spend that time. You think of the time uh, for me, like when I was dating my husband and I was so besotted. I love that word. Besotted. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Like, I was with him in my mind all the time. And when we were together, it was the doe eyes and the, please, can I hold your hand? And how close can I get you get to that's appropriate? And all those rules. But I mean, you know, I, I, and we paid the price for that, but um, you know, that, that whole idea of new love, right. Mm. That is how God feels about us all the time. (laughs) He wants to be with us. He want, he is besotted with us. He mm-hmm. is consumed with us and, and he wants that intimacy with you. And so if you are looking to enter into the vocation of marriage and you feel God is calling you to that, then the first person you should be in love with is him. Yes. And the first person you should desire to spend your time with is him because he's going to provide everything else. So that's, you know, when it took me a long time, I knew who God the Father was as judgment, as trial, Mm. you know, jury and and judge. And I, that was my relationship with the Lord for so, so many years. And it was through my daughter and through the Pieta, that image of the Pieta with our lady holding her dead son, that I came to understand Jesus Christ, my beloved, Mm. the one for whom my soul yearns. Mm -hmm. And I was in my thirties, you know, when I had that moment and I, that's actually not even in the book. We'll save that for the next book. But Mm -hmm. that moment of you are my beloved, I should desire you more than I desire my own spouse. And I desire my own spouse pretty strongly. Mm -hmm. So I should desire that desire should be for him first. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's a beautiful, awesome thing. Life is beautiful. And I can say that having buried a child, having buried a parent, having suffered much, having lost much. Um, when you surrender your life, your husband and your children to the Lord, when you give them back to him because he gave them to you as gift and you give them back to him as gift, it is amazing what you can walk through in life. It's amazing what you can surrender and survive. Um, and do it with joy. I mean, my daughter is dead. There is nothing that makes that better. 
not one thing. Mm. I mean, I know where she is. So I guess that does make it better for me. I know it's harder for others when, when death comes to their children in different ways, especially through suicide or addiction. Yeah. But I believe that God is who he says he is. And when I stood at my daughter's casket as they were lowering her into the ground, it destroyed me. It destroyed me Um, in all the best ways Mm -hmm. because it puts everything in life in perspective. None of this little baloney that we, we worry about every day means anything in the great scheme of life. What is important is, like I said before, How did you love in my name? How did you love in the Lord's name? And I knew as that child's body was being lowered into the ground that I had loved her with my entire life, that we had tried everything to help her. And the best part of it all is the closest place I can be to my daughter is at mass. Because wherever God is, the saints and angels are praising him. Mm. And so I know my daughter is a saint. She may never be declared one by the church, but I know it to be true in my heart because she couldn't commit a sin. She was an innocent and she was a baptized innocent. And so therefore I know she resides with him. So she stands right behind the veil. And when we have the epiclesis and the bells ring for the first time and we are brought up into heaven, if I just reach out my hand, she's right there. Yeah. And it's, she's right there with God. Mm -hmm. So I, I cling to that. On the really hard days, when I just want to hold her in my arms, or I want to hear her laughter, and I, I feel so desperately alone, mm-hmm. I know that I'm not. And I offer my grief, which never leaves you. You know, everybody's, I actually was asked one time, when do you think you'll get over it? My answer is when I take my last breath, I get to see her. Life is good. God is good all the time, no matter what you're walking through. And it's really okay to be angry with him. It's really okay to yell and scream at him. He's a big enough God. He can handle it all because Mm -hmm. surprise, he already knows you're mad. So why don't you just have the honest conversation? Right. Exactly. Get it out and get it done with and allow him to begin to work in that, in that Mm -hmm. anger and allow him to bring you peace and to bring you an answer. Um, it might not be the answer you want, and it might be one you push away for years. Yet in the end, he knows what is best for us, mm-hmm. and he sees everything. I just see my lane of traffic. He right. sees the entire thing. He knows where the car's going. He knows what mountain it's going to meet. He knows when the tire is going to go flat. He knows all of it. Mm-hmm. So if we trust him with it, then when we meet that, that hardship, when we meet that suffering, then we trust him with that too mm, and yeah. allow him to work within it. Yes. You had a, this big identity shift after Courtney died and it got me thinking about the empty nesters and the people who are in middle-aged and going through transitions in their lives, uh, in their lives, excuse me. And I, I've just been thinking about them and how discernment never ends, um, you know, and like you said earlier, as long as you're breathing, you're discerning. So for you, you had to find this new identity because you'd been Courtney's caregiver for so long. So what advice do you have for people who are, you know, asking themselves, okay, what's next? Well, um, I want to be careful with the word identity because our identity is always found in God. Right. And um, so what you're asking is, 
for the call and for the vocation and for the actual job of our everyday life. You know, what service is it that we still have to give to the world? So more of our perception um, of our identity, if you will. Right, right. Yes, our work. So a lot of my uh, friends at this point have, um, you know, they've they've served, um, they've either worked outside the home and cared for children in the home, or they've worked um, inside the home caring for their children, and now they're stepping out. So for Mm. those that have already been out in the world, it's just kind of a continuation of that, I think. Mm. There might be some um, discernment on service. On uh, now that I have a little bit more time, what is that time going to be used for? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I serve the church? How can I serve my community? How can I serve the world at large? Um, you'll see a lot of people kind of do more mission trips in their 50s and 60s, you know, um, because they have those that time that they didn't want to have. Mm-hmm. So um, that is happening. Also, entering the workplace again when you've been home for 20 years. Um, that can bring about a whole new identity crisis sometimes mm-hmm. um, because um, the world says the value of a stay-at-home mother is zero. And mm-hmm. um, so you have to kind of show your worth, shall we say, show your, um, not show your worth, that's the wrong word, but show what you can do. Like mm-hmm. I've been home for all this time, but um, I have skills and I have yeah. an education and or whatever, and this is what I'm going to do. And so you, you're praying about that. That's still a constant conversation with the Lord. I never expected to be a speaker and a writer. I never saw that. I mean, especially a writer. I certainly never saw that. But um, right now, it's, it's a discernment process of, it, should I travel? Should I do this talk that I've been given, that I've been asked to do? Should I not? Um, where does the family life fit into this season? Um, you know, I'm more, um, I'm doing... Um, talks across the country. I'm hopefully writing a second book. I'm I'm doing well, all of these things at church, you know. But where is my family? Because you have to remember, my number one vocation is marriage. Yeah. Every mm-hmm. sacra- every grace that comes through um, flows through that sacrament of marriage, you know. Um, so I maintain my, a strong marriage, um, and I uh, learned how to do that after much therapy and much brokenness. Um, that the number one concern is Jesus and then my husband and then my children and then me. Mm. And that's how it is. And when, when you're honoring that, when you're honoring God and you're honoring your spouse and you're caring for your kids, it, it sounds like, you know, a lot of people are like, you never put yourself on the list. No, I'm on the list. I just know my priorities. Right. And I know that when I care for myself in a good way, take care of myself, exercise, good food, all of that, then I'm able to do the other things. So I'm definitely on the list, but I also know the priorities mm-hmm. of my life. And they shift as you get a little older. Um, if God so blesses our son uh, one day in the vocation of marriage, that he may be blessed with children. Um, this is one very excited future grandmother. I'm like all over that. Like, why don't I, yeah, I mean, I'm just, let's go. Um, I, I've already encouraged him, you know, that, um, I'm, I'm young, I'm strong, I'm healthy. If God so blesses me with a long life, I'm here for it. You know, you want to have yeah. 10 children? Mimi is there. I am. Mm-hmm. What can I do? Where, where can I help? Um, beautiful. And know, that's such a gift to him in the, in the future. Mm-hmm. It is. I hope so. You know, I yeah. know the gift of family and I know the gift of life. Yeah. And I respect and honor both of them. And um, family is always first. So my discernment process now is it looks, 
it's the same as it's always been, but the result looks different because I'm in a different season of life. Mm. So I'm able to, when someone's in a crisis or a friend of mine is going through a difficult time, I can drop what I'm doing and go and help. Mm. Discernment is the same. It's the same steps that I always took. It's, Lord, is this what you want me to do? And if it is, I really need, um, I don't ask for signs, but I just ask for direction. Um, You know, I'm like, I don't need the neon sign, although I'd really like it, but I've never gotten the neon (laughs) sign on the side of the road. Um, But if you could, (laughs) exactly, if you could speak a little peace into that, if you could speak a little um, encouragement, like, can I be bold? Can you give me that holy boldness? Yes. to do it mm-hmm. um and yes. then you mm-hmm. know i go about i have no idea where my life is going i know that that will probably drive every motivational speaker insane but i have no <laughs> idea you know i just know that i want to do what god needs me to do yeah. i don't want to show up in heaven and say you know well mary you were given this opportunity what did you do i mean i know that's going to happen because i know there have been some that i haven't taken and, and it's deviated my path. I know that. I'm not, mm. you know, stupid. Um, but I asked for God's grace in that. And I asked for his mercy in that. I mean, but I am so limited in what I can see and what I want and my own desires because I'm not God. I, I, right. I can't, I don't know all of it. Yeah. So I trust yeah. him that he's going to provide what needs, you know, he's going to meet our needs, uh, not our wants, but our needs. And, um, and he's going to take the wants that I might have and reform them in his image and likeness. And, and I'll just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My last question for you is what does it feel like to be on the cusp of releasing your book tomorrow? And what, what have you already seen? Kind of what are the fruits of your book that you've already seen so far, even though I know it's not available for public release, but um, besides me crying here on this podcast, <laughs> what, <laughs> what fruits have you already seen from it? Um, it's been amazing. Um, I was notified two weeks ago that they're already in the second printing, which is not normal for an unknown first time author. Wow. Um, What is the the number of of books in the first printing? It's only a 3,000. 3,000 is the first printing. You know, this is, I I know that to some people that sounds like a lot of books to other people that are like, but you have 7,000 Instagram followers. So that's nothing. Well, yeah, but not no, all of them lot. buy a book. So. Right. <laughs> yes. For people to move uh, from following on Instagram to putting down their credit card is a big jump. <laughs> exactly. After, I have to remember, especially in this season where now there are expectations, you know, now people are expecting things from you that they never knew who you were or what you did. But now all of a sudden mm. you, you're Mary Lenneberg. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been Mary Lenneberg for 31 years. I'm not a different person. And I don't want to be a different person other than the person God wants me to be. So for me, the challenge comes in not um, entering into uh, a puffed up bravado. He wrote this story upon my heart. And I, in turn, wrote it on a piece of paper. And now it's been put into this really pretty package that's going to go out into the world. And I pray it's an earthquake. I pray it's an earthquake of empathy. It creates an earthquake of love. It creates an earthquake of quietness and self-reflection that will lead to improvement, that will lead to you walking closer to the Lord. I never want to be the reason you turn away. 
Mm -hmm. Never. Well, Mary, thank you for being a light in this world. Thank you for being a light to me and for speaking all of your beautiful words of uh, facing your fears, being brave and scared and trusting and surrendering to God. So I can't wait to see uh, what kind of um, uh, effects this is going to have in the lives of my listeners and all who read your book. So run as quick as you can. If you, you know, if you are near a computer, go get Mary's book, Be Brave in the Scared. You know, just God bless your, your ministry. And I hope you have an incredible, incredible celebration tomorrow. You deserve it. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. I know there will be chocolate. This is for sure. <laughs> yes. I know this to be mm-hmm. certain. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for asking me to come on. And yes. thank you for this beautiful conversation. And may God bless you in return and your ministry. And um, I just appreciate the opportunity. What most touched you about this episode? It was so many things for me. If you're looking for a little more inspiration in between podcast episodes, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at Stacy Summero or Facebook as well. The same title. I hope you guys are doing great. I'll be back in your headphones very soon. And now let's get to our little bonus content here, which is, oh God, beyond all praising, the words blow me away. We sang this at my wedding for the recessional hymn. I would choose it all over again in an instant. So here is, oh God, beyond all praising, God bless you. Please reach out to me on my website with any inquiries you have. I'd be so happy to come speak for you or just to hear from you and hear your thoughts about the show and any questions you have. God bless.